We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Angelica Gorodisher, an Argentine writer. Very sad. She just passed away earlier this year, Mr. Crypto. Oh, I didn't know that. I knew that she was a recent writer. That's so sad. Yeah, it was kind of sad. And I was reading some articles about it. And her, you know, famed book was translated by like, you know, the infamous Ursula K. Le Guin. And with Women in Translation Month and also National Hispanic Heritage Month coming up, I was like, okay, we, we got to jump into this one. This is one of her most popular short stories. I don't think we've ever read her before on the channel, have we? No, this is a first. Yeah. And uh, it was magnificent. Oh, I'll, my gosh. I, I texted you and I didn't get a response and I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, did he not like it? How could he not like no, it? I just, so read good. It I just hadn't read it yet because oh, okay. I, I'll say this. Um, I'm going to be really curious to hear your interpretation on this one because masterful writing on this. Let's let's talk about this because this man <laughs> approaches this young girl and, and instantly I'm like, uh oh, uh oh. Right. Stranger danger. Stranger danger. <laughs> <laughs> he initiates contacts with her and she's she's guarded, right? Like she she's a little girl. She knows, oh, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers, right? He's like, Well, you tell me your name and then we won't be strangers, right? And I'm instantly like, Mason, my son, like come here. Like, do you know this trick? Do you, <laughs> like how would you respond oh, good to this? Teachable like, moment. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and it's also worth pointing out that uh do, did you remember where they were when they were having this first conversation? Yeah, they're like out on the street, right? Let me read you this quote. He could almost feel the girl's skin under his fingers. Silk, satin, sweet, warm. I don't want to, he said to himself, I don't want it to happen to me again. But he was already alone. Alone in a world in which there was nothing but the garden. And he asked himself, where could he take her? So here comes along this Slytherin man offering mm. temptation and she's in the garden. Mm. So you went very biblical with your interpretation. Well, what flowers was she around when he approaches? There are several there. So there's actually a couple correct answers here. <laughs> oh, I knew I knew you were going to go for the geraniums, right? The, the, those are some of them, but the the one that okay. I like honed in on were the impatience, uh, which if you didn't know, do you know the colloquial name for an like an impatient? Oh, I thought it said impatient. I think <laughs> I if, didn't know that was a flower. So, so get this, get this. If you didn't know, the colloquial name for those are called touch me nots. Oh, whoa, right. that's right. pretty meta. Uh huh. And think about how old this young girl, she's, they, I think they described seven. her as a kin, kindergartner, right? Oh, she's um, five, six? Oh, I thought I was putting her like seven, eight. But I, I mean, it, not that it matters. I'm not sure if she actually was a kindergartner, but I think the narrative called her that at one point. The point being is that she's very young, right? 
uh, yeah. able to be seduced by the temptation of candy of this doll. He's like, Oh, you got to check this stuff out. And she's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. I do want to see that. And I'm just like, Oh no, this is going to be one of those trans guests of stories where it like offends me and I'm going to get mad. And like, even I have the same get, feelings. I thought the exact yeah. same thing. Yeah. Well, and you got to learn like to direct, like, where do I direct this? Right. Do I direct it at the situation? Do I direct it at this writing? Like, like where, where does my anger go? And that's, what's like the most difficult part about transgressive literature. But I don't think this was that it, it didn't become that in my mind because it, it did aim towards like a moral center, I would say. Well, it had the twist in the middle of the story, which I absolutely loved and it turned it around for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the girl oh, leads got- him to the the cistern. He's like, she's like, oh, are there are there are there corpions down there? Are there corpions? Go go look, go look over there, man. And you know this man, he's had he's had all these lecherous thoughts. And I like how the thoughts from from a writing perspective too. Just to touch on that real quick, was just gorgeous because it gave you this sinister, evil feel, but it never got vulgar. It never got too descriptive. It was it was almost like the way that. Like you'd assume a predator would dance around things like that's kind of like what the narrative energy was doing too. But oh, so soft. But oh, but I couldn't like it it was it was sinister in the in the implications behind the words, too. I'm going to stick with your S words. It wasn't sickening like some things like it makes you feel gross. It felt slimy like, you Mm -hmm. know, this guy's a weasel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, hmm. While I'm here in this garden, tempting our Eve, if you will. Yeah. We're approaching the 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 end of this man, right? Because we boot his butt down into. She pushes him into the well. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I'm like, she she got him. What? This yeah. is amazing. It was it was such an unseen. Uh, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted. Mm-hmm. Now, did. The man was evil, sinister, temptation before. And all of a sudden, as he realizes he's down there trying to, like, please give me a rope, give me a ladder. Do you notice he started, like, praying and turning towards God even a little bit? Oh, yeah. He flips on a dime like that. Suddenly he has a conscience and, like, morality mm-hmm. pops up and mm-hmm. maybe he could be saved. Like, you're the bad guy and you think you sh- deserve to be saved? Like, come on. Is is he beyond redemption? I want to say that everybody can be saved, but people that mess with kids. So for me, no. <laughs> like, there is no lower scum than this guy. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in those thoughts. Um... Okay, so so help, so stick with me. This is why I think this author, we got to read more from her. Scorpions. There's a couple references, I believe, in the Bible, but there's one that sticks in my mind, particularly when we're talking about the end and judgment and temptation. Uh, Book of Revelation. Do, do you remember scorpions in that at all? No, I'm just thinking of the parables of the scorpion and the sting. <laughs> and the little girl, I think, is the scorpion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me read this to you. This just, it sounds to me like this was inspiration. Like, it wasn't like, sometimes, you know, when authors are crafting a story, they have this scene in mind. I wonder, when did she, uh, this is all hypothetical, we don't know. But when did she potentially get super involved in this potential 
intertextual reference to Book of Revelations. Okay, so I'm I'm going to read Book of Revelation. I'm going to talk about uh, uh, nine here. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. And I think most people interpret the star as Satan at this point in time when when reading the Bible. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. Okay, capital abyss, right? Like, like what is this eternal abyss, this nothingness, right? Like death, the afterlife. What, what, what is it? When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. Okay, so this is this is the end of the world. This is when judgment, when people who were non-believers in God were being punished, right? Like, like, like what, what does it mean to not believe, to be sinners, like that sort of thing. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree. This is talking of, of the, the locusts that come down that sting like scorpions. But only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads, a.k.a. the people who were saved, the people that were believers, that were good people in life. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And so, AKA, they're not dying right away, kind of like this man, even. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of the scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. So this is, this is those people that choose to sin and are being tortured in a sense. Right, like like our our bad guy here, yeah, yeah. Like instead of just dying or snapping his neck when he falls down, she she doesn't just leave him there, dude. She comes back and looks at him, taunts him. (laughs) Well, you said too that there's the shaft. He falls down the shaft into the abyss. He's sitting in the abyss of the water, Mm -hmm. and then she's taunting him, saying, "Are there any scorpions down there?" Mm -hmm. And he says, "No, there's not. Please help me. Please help me." Mm -hmm. And she won't. Mm-hmm. And remember, when he looks up at her, that they talk about the stars, the stars, and the angels, yeah. and he right. sees her as that in the same way that this this biblical passage is. And, and to me, like I can't separate the two. I'm like, no, I, I'm fairly confident that she was imbuing a lot of her writing with like this this idea of judgment for someone who's done morally wrong. What is your suffering? Well, how how does how does justice get delivered? And in this circumstance, when we look at this, just, just on a story level, the way, like when the man's down there, like, are we cheering for it? Do we ever feel any guilt? Like, do we ever feel like, okay, maybe, maybe he does need to get punished. Maybe if Mr. Laws, <laughs> first of all, the name Mr. Laws, but if, if someone were to come along and save him, you know, could, could, could he go to jail? Could he reform? Could he just stay the rest of his life? Like, how did we as a reader feel when looking at and judging this man in the abyss, in the cistern, if you will. I felt like he got his justice to go back to like your biblical thing. Do you think the little girl is maybe the serpent in disguise, the lies of this innocent little child when she full blown knew what she was doing? I I think that she, I think she knew this guy was a creep and that she was luring him in and knew exactly what she was doing. And maybe this wasn't the, and this maybe wasn't the first time that she'd done this. Yeah, I, because I don't they think say, I viewed her. I don't think I viewed her as a person. I think I viewed her as an instrument of justice, an instrument of God, if you will, to to okay. punish the wicked. Is kind of how I viewed her. 
Yeah, because I didn't think this is the first time that she'd done this either. Because they say that that well had had many problems. I think that she'd thrown some other people down there before. Well, all men are pigs, right? According yeah. to her mom, like all men are like yeah. that. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, I, I didn't want to make the, the the association, but you do have to make the association of pigs. You know, the whole biblical story of legion driving Unclean. out the the demons and the evil from from persons. So, so there's a lot of like little elements of that in the story too. But um, to to me, she was just purely a instrument of justice, if you will. I like that. That's good. Okay, so let me ask this question. The man, when he kind of realizes he's he ain't getting out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he knows it's over. He kind of starts to confess his sins. Like he, kinda, he repents. Yeah. Yep. And, and I don't know if I want to use the word sins either. Like let's let's like even if we just take it out of the biblical story here, like like he knows what he's doing is wrong. It's condemned by society. He feels guilt, right? Like when he talks about her innocent skin, like, like what does that mean, innocent skin? Like, like you want to make it not innocent? You want to pollute it? Like, like there's something about the narrative energy with this guy. He knows what he's doing he shouldn't be doing, right? And now when he's looking up, he's finally ready to confess. He's finally ready to admit, like, what is it about death that makes us face the real us like we wear these masks we wear these lies about our lives almost every day what is it about death that it's just this great equalizer that everyone has to face and it's only then like we're almost like compelled to be us to be truthful to be good people like why does death do that to people i think it's because you have no more time to make any choices you have no more time to do any good or bad it is interesting in the story, though, when he finally kind of gives up, he still says, no one save for a soft, smooth little girl. We can't fight our nature. He is a bad person. He's a bad guy. And even if he admits it to himself and tries to repent, that's not going to change. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why a lot of us will root for the little girl and, and happy that this, you know, creep is uh, getting his due justice. Mm -hmm. even, even at the end, he's not going to be saved and that we, we get to see justice finally. You know what I really like, too, is how the narrative energy, like, it's like so much in the matter of minutes, you know, from tempting her with the candy, with the doll. And then, like, it slows down, like, like days pass. And Sunday, the day of rest, right, when God created the world, he rested on the seventh day. Like, we just, psh, yeah. Sunday, done. <laughs> Over in a sentence, almost biblical the way that, like, you know, on the seventh day, he rested. On the seventh day, the narrative rested. <laughs> On the seventh day, the dude's dead. Yeah. Monday's the holiday, almost for the purpose of, you know, giving him, you know, the three days to biologically make sense. And, and that's when Mr. Laws discovers him. And Mr. Laws is the good man. He's the one that does the right thing. And he sees the guy down there and doesn't even recognize it as a human being. He thought it was a dog. He's right? a dead animal or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, do, does his moral transgressions uh, surface to the level where he appears as not even human, right? Like we talk about when someone gets so angry, we don't say that they flash their teeth. We say they snarled like an animal, like, like they were, they, they, they turn from the human 
being slash creature that they were into this animalistic thing, like a lower life form is how we describe them. And, and that's what she does with the narrative energy is, is we end up like pushing this man down to below humanity because of the choices that he made because of uh, him not, I don't know. How would you describe him being described that way? Oh, definitely. I think that it takes the humanity out of it and it's easier to side with the little girl and the big bad wolf because if you dehumanize him, then you're okay with somebody dying. Because ultimately, somebody's losing their life, and you know that even though he's a terrible person, that a little bit of me is still sad about that somebody has mm-hmm. died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the very end, though, it, again, kind of very biblical, is he's like Mister Mister Law's like, oh, if it rains, the baptism, the change, oh, yeah, is right there at the yeah. end. If it starts to rain again, that well has always been a danger, always. Oh. I didn't even think about that one. That's a great point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think with, with all of those, I mean, that's a heck of a lot of coincidences. I, I'm pretty sure this author, <laughs> you know, she, oh, she, she knows she what doing. she's doing. She, she's been around the block. She's, she's a skilled writer. <laughs> oh yeah. Like 30 books and all these short stories. I can't wait to dive into some more of her work. It was absolutely amazing. Loved this one. Cannot recommend it more or I can recommend it more. Highly recommend. (laughs) Have you read other Angelica works? If so, please let us know what are the things to go to to check out next. We'll definitely need to be doing that. My name has been Una. Thank you for joining us today. Please subscribe and like. Peace out. Peace.